Our reading is taken from the Gospel of John. Thank you. (laughs) Chapter 4, beginning at the first verse, and it's on page 1066 in the Pew Bible. Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, 
I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, uh, Helen. Um, John, who uh, wrote those words, uh, right at the beginning of of, uh, the gospel, the the book of John, in chapter 1, verse 14, says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. I want to suggest to us this morning that Jesus is someone who encounters people with grace and truth. And this morning Jesus shows us um, how to do the same. And this is especially important um, as we begin this this series on living in love and faith, where we're going to be wrestling with what the Bible has to say about some really big and tough topics. Things like identity, things like marriage, relationships, sexuality. They're tough topics. And if you're here uh, at St. John's and you're new and maybe even your first time, I'm aware that you may be wondering, what on earth um, have I walked into? What, what is going to be said? And I, I really do appreciate how um, strange and how difficult and hard and often how painful uh, these things. Maybe these are really painful for you. 
I do pray that you'll stay, you'll come back, and that you will, we will all together remain um, uh, open um, to what God is saying to us in his word. Let's just take a moment to come before the Lord. God, our Father, we need your help um, this morning. And we pray that by your spirit, you will lead us into your grace and truth. For we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. You might see in front of you a a, a Bible. Um, That might be helpful to have it open in front of you, page 1066. That's got a nice ring to it, hasn't it? 1066. Um, And uh, here we have um, Jesus in the, the encounter with the woman at the well, as it's often known. And he's crossing all the, the boundaries of race, of religion, and of gender. And why does he do that? Well, because verse 42, right at the end, tells us that this man really is the savior of the world, of everybody. Jesus said in chapter 3, um, a few verses earlier, in, in, in verse 17 of chapter Three, he said, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus, you see, um, has not come with a ministry of condemnation. Yes, he's not come to condemn the world. He's not come with a, a, a ministry to condemn, to accuse. And uh, we uh, often uh, think that that is what he is like. But actually, his ministry is a ministry of mission. It's a ministry of mission. And sometimes with um, difficult topics, or, or, or we come with a spirit of accusation, of, of reprimand or, or condemnation, which is not the, the, the spirit of Jesus here. He comes with mission on his mind, to speak of salvation, to speak of his grace and his love and his truth for us. Verse 39 um, says that many Samaritans believed. How did this happen? How did this come about? Well, Jesus had come to town um, because of one of the the residents, a woman, um, declaring, verse 29, she says, come, See a man who told me everything I've ever done. Everything I've ever done. And uh, I suspect as we listen to the story, we could imagine some of the, the, the townsfolk perhaps muttering cynically, oh yes, this is probably man number seven. But this man was very different. Very different. And he had an impact on her, and he had an impact on many, and many believed, and it was dramatic, and change came about. And we need to just step back, and we really need to understand just how shocking this um, was at that time, um, when Jesus encounters her. Jesus is talking, uh, firstly, to a woman. He's talking um, to a Samaritan, uh, who's not a Jew. She's ta- he's talking to an outcast, somebody who was considered on the outside. You see, Jesus was not a hostage to sexism, to racial prejudice, or to moral taboos. In verse 6, she came 
doesn't it, tells us in the middle of the day. Why is that? Well, normal people uh, in that time would have come at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day when it was cool. Um, uh, But she comes alone and reminds us that she's an outcast. It was um, uh, also, uh, in those days, a a social event that uh, people would go as a group. Um, But she, again, is alone. And Jesus was alone as well. The disciples have gone off to M&S to get their sandwiches, their posh sandwiches. And uh, Jesus sits down, weary and thirsty, and so the conversation begins. And it's a wonderful conversation. It's a beautiful conversation. It's a conversation full of grace, full of love, and full of truth. It's a very normal conversation. It starts in a very normal way, doesn't it? Verse 7, will you give me a drink? It's a normal conversation. He replies, his reply, Jesus' reply draws out the fact that she knows he's not meant to be, in society terms, talking to this woman. But he begins naturally, and then he raises her curiosity. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you know the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, you have nothing to draw with, with, draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? And it's interesting, isn't it? Jesus in this story lets that one go. He, he doesn't, it's a quite an irony. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Well, the obvious answer is yes. But he doesn't pile in there with a, let me tell you how great I am and just how brilliant I am and all this sort of stuff and let me tell you. Sometimes we, uh, we hear a, a trigger word and we blurt out the first thing that's on our, our hearts and our, uh, in, uh, comes into our minds and we blurt out everything we know about God in one go. Did you know? And you know, people glaze over. Jesus isn't like that. Jesus is full of grace and truth. He knows what needs to be said. He lets that slide. Seems like an open goal. Oh, yes, I'm greater than Jacob. No, why? Well, because Jesus knows what is needed right at this moment. Jesus knows. What does Jesus know? If you go back a few pages to chapter 2, verse 24, we are told that Jesus knew all people. He knew all people. He knows you and he he knows me. It says, for he knows what is in each person. He knows what's inside us. He knows what we're like. He knows how we tick. He knew all people, it says here. And he knows what's going on. He knows um, this woman. He he will have known, he knows the men in the story that those many husbands and what their role was in the story as well. And so Jesus, you see, knows each one of us. And he gets the heart of it. And he gets the heart of her longing, uh, her, her need for, for ultimate reality in her life, for, for satisfaction, for love. Remember the, the ministry here is a, of Jesus is not a ministry of condemnation. But equally is it neither a ministry of affirmation. And, and this is sometimes where we, we go um, wrong, especially around sensitive issues like sexuality and marriage and all sorts of things like this. Jesus, you see, is full of, of grace and, and truth. 
He, he's not affirming her in the situation, nor is he condemning her. And it's not our task to say, oh yes, what you're doing is perfectly fine and, the, uh, and in line with the Bible, carry on, yes, no problem. Nor are we to be brutally unkind. No, we are called to be full of grace, full of truth, to be Christ-like, to love. Notice how Jesus does this. And it's amazing. Jesus does this in verse 15. Uh, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. She's recognizing Jesus for who he is beginning to have her eyes open to see who Jesus is. She's, she's thirsty, and so she wants this water. The woman is open to receiving living water, but do, what does Jesus do first? He engages her heart with the truth. I don't know, but I, I think there's always a, a moment in a conversation um, and often in these sorts of situations where I, there is a, a moment where we have to push through the pain barrier. It's a kind of what I call a like, gulp moment in a conversation. When you have to say something truthful because you're asked a very direct question and, and um, you know that you, perhaps your friends might wince or, or they might reject you because of what you have to say. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. He goes through that moment. He lovingly engages her with these circumstances of her life. If there's going to be transformation, you see, it's not enough just to say uh, there's a longing for satisfaction, a thirst to be quenched. She has to have to come face to face with the reality of her life, of where the place is in her heart where she's been looking for satisfaction, where she's been looking for love and relationship. You see... It might sound strange, it might say strange, but it's the work of the, well, the Holy Spirit, it's the work of God to convince people of their need and of their sin. It's our responsibility as Christians, if you're a Christian here this morning, to speak and to act with truth and with grace. And yes, that's hard. It's really hard. I know how hard it is. From time to time, it is going to be tough. We have to go through the pain barrier. A few weeks ago, um, I've been getting to know a, a friend of mine and uh, a conversation um, with her and getting to know her and, and uh, a friendship. Uh, this particular day, I was, I was on my own um, here and uh, she was here and um, she came and she just asked me a very direct question. Uh, she said, Eddie, um, what do you think about homosexuality? And, and uh, it was a very direct question. You can't just wriggle out of these things. Uh, I knew that she was in a same-sex um, relationship. She had a partner. Uh, and what should I say? What would you say? After a, a pause... And some arrow prayers to God. I tried to speak with grace and truth. I don't know whether I spoke with grace and truth. I I hope I did. Um, But I roughly said something like this. I said, that's a a massive question. 
It's a really big question. Thank you for that question, Karen. That's not her real name. You probably know, I said to her, you probably know the answer that I would say. But what I can say to you is that I believe that the Bible says that our hearts are more wicked and evil than we ever thought possible. We are more rebellious than we ever thought. And yet, Karen, I want you to know that you are loved and valued more than you could ever dream. She said to me, Eddie, I don't think I could ever give up my partner for anything. And she said to, and I said to her, um, Karen, if you meet Jesus, if you encounter him, if you see how much love he has for you, if you see just what he has done for you through dying on the cross in your place to set you free from sin and death, to see his majesty and his glory and see how wonderful he is, when you see him like that, anything is possible. Because when that happens, it melts your heart. And it may seem crazy, and maybe it sounds crazy to you this morning. But that's what happens when we meet Jesus. And that's what happens, in a way, with this woman at the well. You see, um, the Bible says we're all blind. We're we're blind. I'm blind to our blindness until God shows us our blindness and... We're all blind to our sin. We give ourselves over to it, believing the lie that it doesn't matter, that things don't matter. But Jesus comes with grace and truth. And he gently, carefully, lovingly opens the woman's heart. Jesus pushed through the pound barrier with verse 16. Go, call your husband and come back. Her response is short, I have no husband. You can probably imagine maybe she's not trying to catch her, his eye and voice high, uh, drops. And you see, if Jesus had been a Pharisee at this moment, he, 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 if a Pharisee would have gone along and started to try and dig um, around that, oh, that sounds interesting, tell me a bit more about that, I, I want to know. But Jesus doesn't do that. He saves her from having to go through all that with all the pain and the messiness and, and, and uh, the concerns and, and the thoughts around what Jesus has said. Why, why does Jesus have, don't, doesn't do that? Because he's kind, isn't he? He's gentle and he's full of grace and truth. Jesus simply speaks the truth. And he says to her, what you said is quite true. What must the woman be thinking now? Well, uh, verse 19, she, she takes a moment to think about it. And uh, uh, she says, Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where you must worship is in Jerusalem. And some people, some commentators believe this is her uh, trying to change the subject. Ah, you know, get, get off this subject, this really difficult subject. But actually, I don't think it's that at all. Because she knows, uh, she wants to know where to, to worship. She has 
been engaging with the truth of, of her own heart before God and she realises that her life isn't what, quite what it should be and that she's a, a sinner and, and that she, she needs to do something about it. She thinks she has to do something about that and uh, she, in, then you would go to a place of worship. You'd make a, a sacrifice and she turns and says, where do I go? And Jesus turns back to her in effect and says, I have great news for you. I have wonderful news for you. It's not really about, you see, where you go, whether you go here or whether you go there. It's about God coming to find you. That's what it's about. And Jesus knows her identity. Uh, she's, she has, he knows everything about it. He's opened that point with her. And at that point, Jesus discloses his identity and says in verse 25... I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And from that moment, everything changes. At the moment, um, the disciples return from MS. They've got their sandwiches, plus, they've got a whole load of other bits. This is what you do when you go to MS. You don't just get sandwiches, do you? You get a whole load of other bits with it. <laughs> and uh, Jesus um, tells his followers, his disciples, in verse 35, to open your eyes and look at the fields. They, he says they are ripe for harvest. The woman's encounter had meant that she'd gone back and she'd told everybody about a man who had told her everything that she'd ever done. And they came out towards the disciples, and Jesus says, look, there's a harvest. Friends, yes, um, we're talking about difficult things. Oh, I know they're difficult. I know they're difficult. But let's have our eyes open to the harvest, to salvation. As we close, let me um, give you an illustration um, from the, the vicarage, from the vicarage house. Um, uh, in the vicarage, we, we love the vicarage. It's very, it's very nice. Thank you. Um, but there are some things about it that are quite irritating. Uh, and one of them is in the house is that um, all the, ta- all the um, sinks in the house have two taps. And uh, uh, one cold, one hot, as you would expect. And, um, uh, and the two shall never meet. Um, maybe you've experienced two taps, especially if you're a bloke and you're trying to uh, shave um, without a plug. And uh, you're trying to get a bit of uh, hot and then you're trying to get a bit of cold and try and shave at the same time. And it's, it's a disaster. And you finish up um, getting scalded or you get freezing. Uh, what do you need? Well, what we need in the vicarage are the church wardens here. Uh, what we need in the vicarage is a mixer tap. That's really what we want, is a mixer tap, okay? Um, God in it's the illustration, God in his grace doesn't leave us stuck between two taps. He's given us one tap, Jesus Christ, who is full of grace and truth together in a single stream. And so, and so as we 
Uh, Go out into the world. Let's channel that grace and truth into a dreary and dry, weary world, a thirsty world. It's an imaginary, it's a great and a great privilege to share the good news of Jesus and of God's love. And as we do that with people, let's do it with grace and truth together. Let's pray. A brief prayer for us. Um, uh, God, our Father, I'm conscious of just how difficult these things are. You know, and it may have been difficult for people here this morning. Father, thank you that you are a kind God, full of grace and truth. That you sent your son Jesus into this world to save us to quench our thirst. Father, would we um, come to him today, seeking that same grace and truth. Amen.